Olala, the podcast is brought to you in association with Expedia. Expedia offers thousands of hotel deals to suit all tastes and budgets. From bed and breakfast, affordable hostels, five-star hotels and everything in between. There is something for everyone. Just go to expedia.co.uk to find your ideal place to stay. Oh la la, I just had a big grin on my face as I said oh la la. It happens every time I say or hear it. And I think the reason why is because we are all conditioned with the same reaction to the sound of this beautiful word. Let me do it again. Oh la la. You see, it works. I think it's because you're kind of naughty, isn't it? But obviously, you gotta be naughty people if you are listening to this podcast. It's like a feel-good sensation you get as you hear your word and your brain just can't help to react positively to it and we just smile automatically and without even thinking about it. It takes you back instantly to a time where everything was simple and possible, where everything made sense. It makes you light on your feet, it makes you feel awake because it is pure pleasure and goodness. You know, life can be so hard at times, so unpredictable and we all have our share of pain. But suffering isn't necessary, so oolala, just take it away in a flash. Oolala is about fun, enjoying oneself and being in the moment. It encapsulates what Socrates was saying, the meaning of life is about the pursuit of virtue. Basically knowing what is good and bad, right and wrong. You know, we have no time to lose in life and we owe it to ourselves to enjoy it, learn and make a difference. Well, anyway, that's my motto. Oolala is about life in all its beauty. Oolala, that's so exciting. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome on my podcast this week, Paul Chowdhury. Paul, thank you very much for being here. It's Good really a real pleasure to have you here. So tell me, what is Oolala for you in your life? Oolala for me is Oolala. That's the, you say it very differently to what I say it. So say it again. You, you, I'm I'm la la. It sounds a bit more sinister when it comes to la la. Yeah, I got a much deeper voice than you, madam. So it's, it sounds quite different, isn't it, from my voice to where you s- deliver that line. But don't you have a la la moment in your life? Yeah, I have a lot of la la moments, but it doesn't sound like. Uh, it's the first time I hear la la sounds like that, though. Maybe so, because of my voice is a bit a bit deeper than yours, so it sounds. Sounds different. Sounds a bit, oh la la. It's true. I mean, you've got a proper man's voice. Well, it's very rare. You know, is it acceptable to call myself a man these days? I don't know. I'm, I am a man. Uh, proud to be a man. So what you does it mean for it. you to be a man then? It means uh, I'm a real man, you know. you know. They don't make men like this anymore. What, you've got a, a screwdriver, like, uh, you yeah, know... A screwdriver, uh, chainsaw. you got your... Hammers. No, I don't believe that. I walk around, that's why, you know... You can't carry that around these days. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, I mean, you've been a comedian for a long time. How did you become a comedian? Because I've read somewhere that you were so funny when you were a kid and, and this is what you wanted to do from a very early, early age. Well, uh, you don't know you're a comedian until you try to do stand-up. You don't think, oh, I'm going to make a living out of this. It's something you have an interest in. You go up on stage. Because I was very funny as a kid. You know, like my parents, when they were... They were you're still funny now, man. I don't think I'm funny. I'm not like you, but when I was a kid, you know, they, they, we had dinner parties, you know, yeah. with all the friends, the family, and, all that, and he would say, Fred, do this, sing, and all that, and I was the clown. Do you see what I mean? French love that, though, isn't it? Like, you have an aperitif, you have a little clown in the corner, have the drinks before dinner. It's it's an, an event. Yeah. Having food in France is an event. 
over here. It's like, you've got to eat, mate. Hurry up. And you eat uh, sometimes on the settee. On the settee. You know, I suppose to eat at a table and take your French, time. Eat at a table. They've got three courses and they savor every, every, every dish. Whereas it's a bit quick, you know. The French won't eat out of a newspaper like fish and chips. We eat out of newspapers. So it's, it's kind of a functional thing here. You are a top actor. You work with the top people in the world. How was this? Yeah, I just finished a project. I'd just come straight from doing the ADR, which is the voiceover stuff. I was living in Rome for six months, right. working with Patrick Dempsey on a show called Devils, right. which is coming out this year. Ten-part, one-hour episodes about the banking crisis in 2008. So, so I play, what role do you play? I play, is the lead is uh, an Italian actor, one of the biggest Italian actors out there called Alessandro Borghi. Mm -hmm. He's uh, like a banker in it, and I play his kind of his right hand man. Et tu parles italiano? Ah, si, 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 si. Fluente? A little bit, you know. I got around, yeah. But it's not that easy living in Rome with this beard, because the country's run by a right wing government. So uh, I can imagine racism is fresh. Really? Yeah. Do 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 you feel racism? I mean, racism is, is a big part of your routine. Do do you feel it on a daily basis? Not really. I mean, that, I mean, some of my earlier material, my first DVD was called "What's Happening, White People," so uh, that tended to. I like this title. It's very <laughs> catchy. It made me laugh when I first uh, read it. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have, have you seen the DVD? You got to get check the DVD out. That came mm -hmm. out in 2012, and then the second one was called "PC's World," which my initials, uh, my world, but then it was a play on the electrical shop and then the new one i've just recorded which comes out this summer all around the world it's called live in it so that doesn't revolve around race as much so you know you tend to you got to evolve as a comedian talk about different things but the stuff that's kind of caught the attention of the public was perhaps that kind of material i mean obviously you had some experience of racism so did yeah. it shape the way no you i wasn't a racist or... I, yeah i was yeah yeah, <laughs> I thought you were trying to say I, I experienced. <laughs> you don't like white people. Yeah. You don't like white people? I love white people. I mean, I like you as well. Yeah, I don't know if you speak on behalf of all white people. You, know, you, you might be the one I don't like. I might like the others. So let's oh, la, la, come on. How can you not like me? <laughs> He's like, I don't speak on behalf of all Indian people. So no. It's like me asking, you know, I'm the spokesperson for everyone. But the, the experience that you had, you know, when you were a young kid, did mm. it shape the way that you are, that you, you're thinking? Is it something it that you does, have at yeah. the back of your mind all the I time? I don't really or... think, think about it, but what shapes you as an adult is what you've been through as a child, I think, a lot of the time. But you don't believe that until... Because we never see the world the way the world sees us. We're looking outside, look people looking at us, so we don't quite see how we're perceived. We think we're perceived in a very different way to the way we are. So it's quite important to realize that. So when you realize how people may be perceiving you, when you don't mean to be, it's like reading a text message. You read it in your own voice, but that person might not have meant it in that way. Right. So it's kind of a philosophy for life, isn't it? Yes, for sure, for sure. And Paul, what about your quote? Can you read it to me, please? My quote is, understanding a question is half an answer. That was from the great rapper Socrates. With also a footballer you were telling me before. Yeah, he's also a footballer. Socrates. Yeah, I love Socrates. You know, in America they call it Socrates. So, um, so basically what it means is take time to fully understand a problem and you're attempting to solve with a new idea and you'll suddenly find yourself 
halfway to a solution. Well, that is if you have good judgment mm. and if you are sane. Exactly. But not many people listen to the question. They always want to hit you with an answer, but they never get the answer right because they've never understood the question. So once you understand the question, you're more likely to come up with the answer or the solution in life. Look at the situation. But you can understand the question, but if your mind is set on an answer which is there or here or over there, then you're going to give a very different answer exactly. to it, which may not be filled with virtue. Because if it's with Socrates, I mean, I was talking about Socrates just before in my introduction about the meaning of life being the pursuit of virtue. Ironic that I came up with the Socrates quote. Yeah, we were meant to... We didn't even speak before this. No, we were meant to meet. We were meant to be together. This is a ulala moment. Exactly. And you would say, in it. Because in <laughs> it is your ulala. In it is my ulala, but yeah. in France, they won't know what in it means until... Live in it is released in France Nespa. this summer. In it is Nespa. In France. Yeah. So it's live Nespa. When you say, yeah, it's live Nespa. But in it is better. Yeah, in it is better, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, la, la, <laughs> this is deep. This is, we've gone too deep with too this deep. podcast. Very deep. They don't know what they're getting with this. This is going to revolutionize people's lives. It is. This is really going to take people to another dimension. That's what I do with my, I, I'm not an entertainer. I'm a life changer. Are you a bit of a guru? Thanks, man. Thank I you. I mean, you could pass for a guru. Thank you very much. Definitely. I didn't want to say it. I was hoping you'd say it first. Have you got a self-help book coming out or something? Well, you know, let's, let's talk after this. Maybe we can go and approach some publishers and I can start making videos and helping people with their lives. But and people want to see funny from me. So what would you like to help them with? Marriage? Everything, you know. I mean, you're very good with arranged marriage. I saw a clip of you. You 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 actually did this uh, did this joke on a on, on a few girls that oh, you yeah. were gonna arrange their when you were arranging your own marriage with them. Oh yeah, that was like a hidden camera thing. I did this a few years ago now. It was when because white people used to say they didn't understand. Well, you're gonna get an arranged marriage, mate. And I say, yeah, I'll arrange it myself, kind of thing. Even though I'm not married, but it was the what was the perception of the white people have of Indian people having arranged marriages. It's not what people think. They think you get forced into a marriage with someone you don't even know. So I did this hidden camera thing where I was a prince in a house and a girl came to the house with her mum or her dad, an English woman, and then her parents go to the toilet and I hit them with a contract that they're here actually for my arranged marriage. No, I ain't. I don't even know you, mate. So you put them in that uncomfortable situation. Did anybody say yes? Yeah, well, actually, one of the girls did say yes, and she said, yeah, I will, but it's for the money. Really? She was in, because she saw the house, and... She just wanted the money. Exactly. But would you go for an arranged marriage? Well, you know, I'll arrange it myself. The... But would you arrange it yourself? I mean, it's not an arranged marriage, then. Well, an arranged marriage, it basically means these days an introduction. So if you knew a nice girl, and you introduced me to her, and I got married to her, is that an arranged marriage? Well, I do that for a living in, on first dates. Do you? Yeah, well, I, I put people together. Girls, boys, you know, they want to meet a girl or a girl or a boy. You know, they just they just want to meet somebody to be with, and I just put them together. So you, th you basically do arranged marriages? Yeah, I'm like a French Indian. Yeah, if you were Indian, you would be doing arranged marriages. That's it. That's what they're called. In France, I mean, you, you wouldn't get introduced to a girl or a boy like that by your mom or your dad. But it's true that people introduce you to mm. people all the time. Yeah, and that's basically what an arranged marriage is.
these days. Forced marriage is when they force someone that you have to marry this. But that's what they think arranged marriage is. So it's not really what it used to be back in the 70s, uh, unless you live in, you know, Bradford or Manchester or something. It's a bit different. Some, right. some pockets of communities, which is now illegal. You can't force someone to get married. Well, thank God. Are you married? No. How come? Just one of those things. I've got a lovely partner. Is it? Yeah. Lovely, lovely French? partner. We're not married. No, she's uh, she's British. Is it? Yeah. You got that in quick in it for Brexit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, just so I get my passport, my blue passport. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you got on your visa at the moment? This <laughs> <laughs> could be a quick podcast. <laughs> Are women attracted to you because you're funny? I don't think women are attracted to me in general. Why not? I don't know. Some women. Yeah, of course. But uh, I don't know. I wouldn't come consider myself like a sex similar or anything, you know. Yeah, but you're funny. You're witty. You're yeah. sharp. You're fast. Yeah, but you know, you're hardworking. Serial killers. You're 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 you're, you're constantly developing new things. I mean, yeah. you're creative. That must be exciting for a woman. Yes and no. Yeah, women do like it. I'm a I'm, yeah, I'm a rock star. Yeah. You know, I perform in arenas and you know venues all around the country and the world. But I mean, do you have women who want to see you after shows? You know, they go, yeah. "Oh la la, this Paul Chaudry, yeah. oh la la." Yeah, I tend not to meet. I no. don't really date girls from shows. I think it's it's you're overstepping a line there. So when a girl wants to see you after the show, she's a bit starstruck, and oh my god, and then you're in a situation. It's a mismatch. Really, she's up there and high, and you're just talking. You can't follow that performance. You ever been to a strip club and try and get a girl's number at a strip club and she goes, Not she recently. Well, yeah, you, you can't say anything because you're trying to get that passport. But I'm just saying, you try and get a girl's number at a strip club, she says, I don't date my customers. Right. We're like strippers, stand-ups. They're seeing us perform without the pole. And we can't then date our customers. Right. So when was your last date? If you Can you say? About an hour ago. Really? No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had a few dates recently. Did it progress to the second or the third date? No. So one date and that's that. Are you the kind of guy who does a lot of first dates? Yeah, maybe my first dates don't go to a second date. Because I met people, you know, on first dates, for example. I remember this chap. He had 90 first dates. Really? When I met him. 90. 90 first dates. Isn't it crazy? This is first dates on Channel 4. Yeah. They asked but me. this chap had 90 first dates, 90 girls that he met for the first time and he couldn't think that there was anything for him to go and, and go for a second date. They asked me to do hotel first dates. Ah, for the celebrity one? Yeah. Oh, you would have been great. We yeah. could have met. So I was and why do you not want to come? Because they said that we've got a, a camera in your hotel room. Yeah. And having a camera in my hotel room is not a good idea. But you don't have to just get undressed in front of the camera. Oh, you know? now you tell me. That's not what they said. And there's no camera in the bathroom. Yeah, and I probably would have taken the camera in the bathroom just to get, you know. Just so basically, why did they put a camera in your hotel room? Is it because in case you get a girl back there? Because you get ready. Sometimes people call other people. You have thoughts to yourself that you say, you know, and then so maybe you bring back a girl in your room. Is it? Yeah, it happens a lot. And then you, you video the whole thing. We don't know. At one point, we cut. Ah, At one point, we that cut. Would have gone it's viral. not that kind of show. That would have gone viral. If that, you know, I would have gone viral in all senses. So why didn't you come? We could have solved all I your problems. You could have been arranged marriage. You could have got some material for your shows. You could have met the girl of your dream. She could have been French. I know, man. Italian. 
Or who Italian? Knows? Who knows what girl they would have picked, but let's talk about it next year, innit? So if you had to pick a girl, would the girl have to be Indian or could she be French, British? Would she be American? Could she be from anywhere? Or uh, it has to be something mm, particular? I'm not. When it comes to women, I'm not racist. Women is women, you know what I mean? I'm a real feminist. Big I love all chest. women. You know what I mean? So you got a preference? No. Women are women, you know. I think girls are beautiful. Exactly. Exacto mundo. I'm not sure if this is acceptable to say in this current climate. I don't even say you, you can't even say you love women anymore without getting abuse. But I love all women. I don't care what race you are, what you look like. It's all about the heart and the personality, which is important, you know. What about beauty? Because beauty is very philosophical, isn't it? One person's beauty is the next man's butter, isn't it? So beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. It's an old saying, but it's beauty means different things. You could see an absolutely stunning woman, and if she's got no personality or if she thinks she's really beautiful, you're not going to be attracted to that woman. So you, Well, I don't know. In the age of Instagram, I mean, everything that you see now is about beauty. It's about the perfect life. Everybody is so... They're coming out of beautiful cars. They've got beautiful shoes, beautiful clothes. They've got these perfect lives. And I think that people kind of believe it they in believe a way. They believe it. They believe it. It's it becomes all, part of, of life. Exactly. It's all a load of bollocks because they put a perception up of their... It's, it's a make-believe life and a lot of filters. I met a couple of girls online and there ain't no filter in the real life. When they touch up those pictures and you turn up and you meet them and the lighting hasn't been adjusted and the, you know, the ble everything's different in real life. You don't even hear them speak, so you've already created an image of what you think they are, and you turn up, it's completely different. No one is happy 100% of the time. You've got to be balanced. You've got to take the positives from the negatives, and you've got to ride the wave in between. Don't be too happy, don't be too sad, and then you can find the medium ground where you can surf through life. Are you a happy person? No. Why not? Happiness is a figment of our imagination. You start, yeah, if you start thinking you're happy all the time, then you have to be sad. So be balanced, I think. You've got like this line like on the horizon. This is where you are. Not too up, not too down. You, you have, when try you start, and maintain there. Yeah, when you start having real highs, you have to have real lows because that's how the universe works. It balances itself out. So when you start thinking, I'm really up there, man, things are going great, and it's good to appreciate things. I think it's when you start getting there, hit those big highs, then you also hit those big lows. But I think you can't really stop yourself from enjoying this big high or... I mean, this is what we are... In a way, we're all seeking that, aren't we? We're all seeking the happiness. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, happiness. Why is no one... Everyone seeking this happiness? Why is no one finding this happiness? I mean, happiness, you know, I wake up in the morning, I go and make my coffee, I open the window of the kitchen, like this morning, for example, the sunshine, the, the sky is blue, I'm drinking my coffee, and I just think, life is beautiful. Mm. And I'm smiling, and genuinely smiling. Yeah. I take the kids to school, you know, my son tells me about all these stories about superheroes and stuff like that, and I feel lucky. Sure. Do you know what I mean? And what I'm thinking is, I, look, you've got two arms, two legs, you've got half a brain. Thanks, man. You can I've go got, to school. I've got half a brain, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you can take your kids to school. and um, uh, You and, can. I can't take your kids to school. Thank right. you. And I'm healthy. You know, so that's for you me. You are healthy. Yeah, yeah you that's, are healthy. That's, that, that's a victory in itself. Because mm. once you don't have the health, you know what I mean? 
I mean, we're very lucky in this country. You know, that's we're why lucky. sometimes it just makes me, just drive me mad when I see people who are complaining about what we don't have. But yeah. you have, I mean, I don't know the percentage of the world of how many billions of people who are living be- below the poverty line, who don't have any water, don't mm. have a toilet at home. And, and, and I think about it and I'm thinking, oh my God, look, I've got a toilet, I've got water, I've got uh, some food in the fridge. Mm. I can have a yogurt if I want. Exactly. Whenever I want, I can have a yogurt. You must have a lot of yogurts in your house then. This podcast is brought to you in association with Expedia. Now, you all know that I like things in my life to run smoothly. At work, in my restaurant, at home, and especially when I am away traveling. Expedia offers loads of great deals on flights, activities, and accommodation all in one place. So you can book your trip, save money, and ensure everything runs as smoothly as my life. Oh la la! You know, I've seen you on stage, you know, when you actually talk to the audience and you yeah. pick somebody at random. And uh, it seems like this is just completely improvised, yeah. is it? Yeah, completely improvised. People think sometimes... Do you plant somebody plant there? someone. Never plant anyone. I don't think it was. I thought it was genuine. It's always genuine. Because when it works, it's a plant, they think. When it doesn't work, it's just shit, you know. So the problem was with that is... A lot of people do come down to heckle and get involved because they think... Somebody heckled you. Why did this guy heckle you? What was the they, story there? Oh, man, there's so many hecklers. It's, so they go to see the show, they pay, yeah, they and pay. then they just want to disturb you and ruin your performance. I don't. They don't think they're ruining it. They think that they're helping it because then if you make something funny off the back of what they said, the audience laugh, and then they think that it's because of them. People are, No, it's because of the response the comedian gave to your rubbish line. They're never laughing at what the heckler says. Very rarely do they laugh at what the heckler says. They normally laugh at the response the comedian gives. But then the heckler thinks, oh, that's funny because of me, mate. No, it's not. It's funny because the comedian... So these people the are not really well in their head. They're just exactly. so, slightly deranged, right? Well, the problem... Well, deranged. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is uh, the tickets started going on the black market. So as soon as my show was announced... Ticket tanks like that Via Gogo were selling tickets at £250 each on the front row. So people were buying two tickets at £500. Bear in mind, these tickets were £20. So on the black market, they were making more off the shows than I was. Wow. So uh, I encourage people not to buy from secondary ticket touts. You had a big situation with a heckler. What happened there? Oh, man, there's so many situations. So what was the worst? The worst? People want to fight... People stand up when you destroy them and they can't... They can't take it. They can't take it and then they want to fight you and then you're like... But you have security though, there, no? Yeah, well, I uh, just fight them. Do you? Yeah, just go out and fight them and then come back and do the show. Okay. And sometimes you have to do these things, you know. What kind of martial arts do you use? And Just anything. Anything. And street fighting. There's a street fighting champion. Brilliant. Just, uh, for some French moves. <laughs> what is a French move? Just put them in your armpit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the French woman move, you know. <laughs> Get them down to the ground. And tell me, when you do your uh, your performances, you know, when mm. you are uh, when you are on stage like this, I mean, what does it feel like? I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to, to have a, a full stadium like this or mm. a full room, thousands of people. I mean, I must be completely mad. No, that's is it nerve wracking before you go on stage? Are you thinking, oh my God, I'm going to forget my lines, or uh, how do you remember all those lines? I know you repeat and all that, but I just I can't I can't imagine. Well, I never do the same show twice, so I always improvise, you always keep it fresh. 
had bits to it, coming in and out of the crowd, deliver the material like us for the first time. The thing about comedy is when someone's heard the joke, they've heard the joke. Whereas when you're a musician, they come to hear the song. When you go and watch ACDC, mm-hmm. you want to hear the classics. Yeah. You don't want to hear them doing new stuff. With a comic, they want to hear new stuff every time. Well, sometimes they want to hear the old classics. So you can never win with an audience as a comic. You know, so, but we write our own material. Well, it's the comics that do, I write my own material. So when I perform the material, it's stuff that I've written. So even if you get it wrong, you find it out of the direction in the material, you think I can take it that way or I can bring it back to where. And what's your state of mind when you're performing? Because you're by yourself on that stage, you've got just you, your microphone, you're telling the story. How, how do you feel? Is it like you feel completely at ease? Are you at home suddenly on that stage? You've got to feel very earth, very grounded, and you've got to read the room. You've got to feel the energy in the room. When we were cavemen, we understood energies. We lived off each other's energies. We sensed danger. We sensed excitement. We've lost a lot of those instincts now with the mobile phones and technology. But when you go in front of a room and all you're doing is talking, you bring back a lot of those instincts and those senses we're supposed to have as human beings. You know, it's exactly the same thing that I say to my team in my own restaurant. And I say, you've got to feel that room. You've got to use your senses. You know, for example, if you're a receptionist in a restaurant, you know, your job is to meet and greet. And you've got to see, smile, say hello to people before they see, smile, say hello to you. You've got to know where the customer is coming from. And you can't fail because that's your job. Exactly. But just like an animal, for example, you're talking about senses. Exactly. We all have these senses. We're animals. Yeah. If you had a cat, for example, and there would be a mouse coming coming in, whether the, the cat can see that mouse or not, he knows the mouse is there. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And you need to feel that in yeah. your restaurant. You need to know what the audience want. You give them the wrong thing, there's trouble. Same with a, same with a comedian or a public speaker. You say the wrong word, you're going to lose the room. But you love what you do? You know, you can't do this if you don't love it. I think doing stand-up is too grueling on the body, it's too stressful. It's one of the biggest fears a human being has is public speaking. So if you... Were you scared when you started? You know, you've got to be scared, I think. Even now, when you go up on stage, you've got to have a little bit of a nerve. When you're a bit too calm... <laughs> It's I think, oh, why am I not nervous? So you, you, you feel your tickler going, your hands are getting sweaty. You feel that every time you go on stage? I'm not Eminem, but, you know, I, I, I think... <laughs> you... <laughs> Where do you come up with these lines? Where do you come up with that? I, just, <laughs> I thought you were rapping in French or something. <laughs> but you ride off the adrenaline. Right. You know, you've got to feel that. But I'm very grounded and very still on stage, so I like to ride off that energy. It's the inner strength, core energy. Right. Brilliant. Thanks, man. That's good. That's Thanks, good. Thanks, man. Right, Paul. So um, we've, we've talked about a lot of things here, but um, going forward, you know, let's say within the next two, three, four, five years, yeah. how are you going to be able to bring that quote to life? How are you going to bring that olala feeling yeah. in your daily life? Just, I think, understanding the question is very... Did you understand my question now? No. Are you being I'm fun- still trying to... Are you be- being funny? No. I'm never being funny, man. I'm always... <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to come to your restaurant. That's what I need to do. Yeah, I think you should. Where is it? It's on top of the London Hilton on Park Lane. That's easy for you to say. Yeah. I'm going to be there, man. Yeah. What kind of food? It's French. Is it? Yeah. It's very unusual for you. It's very nice. 
you're going to have a lot of people who speak like that, who's going to talk about your food and uh, make you have a good time. Yeah. And if you're nice, I'm going to introduce you to my colleague, Armel. Is she fit? Very. Oh, wicked, man. Yeah. First Ola. dates in real life. Oh, la, la. So what's the waiting list on these tables? <laughs> With me, there's no waiting list. I can get straight because in. Because even if there's no table, I get the carpenter and we make a table for you. On the carpet? On the carpenter. Oh, I thought you meant taking the on the carpet there. Are you taking the piece? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So, so then, let's go back to these questions. And yeah. Are you going to get that quote, that in my philosophy life. in your life, that ulala feeling? I think it's very important to when you ask someone a question, and even when I get asked a question, is to understand it. And I think the longer you spend thinking about the question, the quicker it takes to get to the answer. So, you know, it's true that I think, yeah, this is right. Sometimes, we, oh, God, what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, we quick, do it, do it. I mean, you work in a very stressful environment in a restaurant. The kitchen is the most stressful. We, we, I come from a catering background. We used to have a snack bar. I used to make sandwiches there, French bread and everything. I just, you know, we, and it's hard work being in a kitchen. Yeah. You know, you know. So it's quick. You've got to think on your feet. It's probably the most stressful job. You could, One of the most stressful jobs. And people are screaming. And you, know, you think Gordon Ramsay, that's probably an exaggeration. Well, they don't scream in professional kitchens. Exactly. Because in my kitchen, they don't scream. There's no so, scream. It's so professional. You don't? I'll take you in the kitchen and you will see. You can observe and you can just... Oh, I can't wait, man. Enjoy. I can't wait. It's beautiful to watch. Seriously, it's really, I mean, it's a thing of pure beauty. And the way you lot serve the food, you know, and the, the decoration on the plates. You're starving. You get this huge plate and a little blob in the middle. I love the way you do that. Thank you. You know. It takes a lot of practice. Still hungry, but I love the way it looks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will love it. What's your favorite food? I like all food. You know, I'm a, I'm a big foodie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love French food. Chinese, Japanese, Indian, Italian. When I was living in Rome for six months, I had the best Italian yeah. food out there. No romance in Italy while you were there for six months? Couldn't speak the language. So, But the language of love. Well, I was doing long... I was, they were picking me up at five, six in the morning. You finish on set, eight o'clock at night, get a couple of hours, get back on set again. Oh, my God. So, unfortunately, there was no romance there. I wish I had some better stories to tell you. How many days a week you did that? We were there five, six days a week, and then we had a couple of days off here and there. You'd come back to London to just get away from it and then go back. That's not cool. Intense. Ten hours of TV you're making. So that's like ten movies. Wow. Tough, tough, tough. tough but you enjoyed it? Yeah, I mean, it's different to stand-up. Stand-up is where it's really at. Mm. That's, that's the real, You get that's where you get the buzz. It's a bit different. Yeah, because you feel high, right, when you perform like that. It's like being a rock star, isn't it? You're a rock star. You're a rock and roll star. People go and you, you see the way people leave the auditorium and, and the feedback they give you afterwards. You know, you've, you've made a difference. And how do you come down after? Because when you're so high, you were talking about the happiness, that line, you know, I mean, how yeah. do you come down? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's difficult when you have killer shows. The hard ones are when you do the recordings because you want to hit it perfect because this is going to be recorded in time forever. Added pressure. Added pressure. So I just recorded this special. We did two shows in one day. I did three hours of of performing and you want to make sure you get it right that's when you start thinking too much so you got to bring it back and remember this is also a live show and there are people in this room to see me 
So it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's true what you're saying, because they come to see you and the confidence should come for that, because if they did not come to see you, they wouldn't be here. Think about a comic or a public speaker or a singer. I'm not sure as a singer, but with a comedian, they come to spend time in your company. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you've got to hit them with good killer jokes, but they want to be with you. Like we're spending time in each other's company is quite different to where you spend time with someone in a theatre. So it's like they're talking to a friend. Yeah. Or a friend is talking to them. And you're the friend. That's so you've got the responsibility with them, haven't you? You have a responsibility. Because Plus they're paying the ticket. They're paying you've got to deliver. You don't know, you know, these people, that could be the only time they go out for a long time. They had to get a babysitter. They've had to arrange stuff. They've had to travel to the show. Some people travel for hours to these shows. And you don't want to let them down. You've got to respect your customers. You have to respect them. You know, people come to your restaurant. They've it's your bread and butter. Exactly. That's how you pay for Christmas. And that's how you, what's what you give them when they walk into a French restaurant. Yeah. Bread and butter. So they've, you know, you've really got to respect that and remember that it's an honor for them to, you don't know these people. It's hard to, for me to go out of the house when I know people. No, I understand what you're saying because mm -hmm. I feel the same way with my customers in my restaurant. I love them. You know, exactly. I feel them in my heart here. You know, and I've got to deliver. You've I've got, got to deliver. deliver. I've got no choice. It's not an if or but. It's got to be amazing. That's it. And you give a customer service. It's similar. You, you know, you've got to give them an experience. They're yeah. there to. That's the word. It's not just about the food. It's about the experience. It's about the experience. It's not just about the jokes. It's about the company. Oh, it's a very good way to see it. We're very similar without We're even realizing. Yeah. We're brothers, you know. Yeah. I five. You know what I mean? We can't see it there because it's a podcast. <laughs> you but can hear it. We've done it. Yeah, but I just left his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, it was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank Thanks you very much. Me, it, was, it was a real pleasure to be in your company. Well, thank you to you. And uh, good luck for your next show. And I look forward to uh, seeing it on Netflix, Amazon or Apple or probably Netflix. Gracias, madame. Okay, take care. Thanks. Ciao. The podcast was brought to you in association with Expedia. Expedia offers thousands of hotel deals to suit all tastes and budgets. Choose from bed and breakfast, affordable hostels, five-star hotels and everything in between. There is something for everyone.